Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch, and with me today I have one of our elders, Rick Lyon, and we're gonna we're gonna start a new quasi series where we're gonna we're gonna look at some of the things that we believe as a church, things like baptism, the Lord's Supper, eldership, um, and just other things that that come up in our statement of faith, what we believe, why we believe it, and so I'm looking forward to this as as we look into these items. Um, some of these things can be can be hot topics, um, can be divisive topics in in ways. Um, and today, as we as we work through this idea of baptism, I just want to start off by talking or saying rather that uh, the point of today's today's podcast is not to argue for or against anything. We are just specifically talking about what we believe and why we believe it, and we will bring up the other side just to state what what they believe. So today's podcast is is by no means meant to be divisive. It is meant to be an encouragement for you today. So Rick, thank you for being here. And uh, I'm excited to talk about baptism. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So when we, when we usually talk about baptism, we refer to it as a sacrament. It seems in today's progressive worldview within the church, the word sacrament can come across as being archaic or maybe stodgy, ritualistic. Uh, a lot of times we can almost think of it as being tied with the Catholic Church. But what does it mean? What does it mean that baptism is a quote-unquote sacrament of the church? I think in... In looking at this, and, and when I saw your question, it made me think about um, the fact that I think in our modern Protestant church, we're a little bit afraid to use that word sacrament. Um, to some degree, I think the, the Catholic Church is, has uh, hijacked that term to some degree. Uh, to the Catholic Church, there are seven sacraments. Mm-hmm. The Protestants uh, fall into the, the camp where there are two sacraments, or what we would then commonly refer to as ordinances. Most churches, uh, including ours, would um, would call them ordinances or sacraments. The, the terms really can be uh, interchangeable. But for the sake of our discussion, uh, we I don't think we should be afraid to call them sacraments, um, baptism a sacrament. The word sacrament um, literally uh, means something sacred hmm. uh, or a sacred object. Um, there's nothing... Uh, terribly mysterious about that. Um, but uh, the reason that we uh, observe these two, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and not seven, is because the scripture is fairly clear that Jesus himself ordained two sacraments or two ordinances, mm. baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, and we also need to note that the word sacrament is not a biblical word in the sense that it isn't used in Scripture. Um, it doesn't make it an unimportant uh, or unuseful term. Um, for instance, the word Trinity is also not a biblical word. We don't see that word used, and yet it's a very critical thing to understand, hmm. the doctrine of the Trinity. So we need to understand um, what these sacraments are. Um, and then as far as you said, yeah, I think about them being stodgy or boring uh, mundane to us, uh, just because they're sort of rituals uh, in the church, and and they can become that. I think 
ritualistic um, and rote would be another way of putting it. But really, if we boil it down and really think about what it is that's happening when someone is baptized, it should be anything to us but stodgy or realist or uh, ritualistic. Sorry, I was looking for the word. Um, Or archaic or boring. Uh, In fact, um, baptisms should at least be a celebration of what God has done for us and in us in the gospel. Yeah. Um, it, it really is is a celebration. That's one of the things I've always loved about churches I've grown up in and even here at Sun Valley. When when an individual gets baptized and they go down into the water and they come back up and we've heard their testimony about how they came to Christ and what God's done in their life. When they come up out of that water, we, we clap and we cheer and yeah. we are excited. Um, and it's really more to do with what God has done, this amazing message of what God has done through Christ in this person's life. And it reminds us of what Christ has done in our lives. And so we celebrate. Yeah. And really, that should be the heartbeat of it to us. So I'd say if, if we ever get to a point where it's becoming ritualistic or, <laughs> or stodgy, like you said, um, that's probably an indication that we're not teaching correctly mm. about what baptism is and what the value of it is for the church. Yeah, yeah. And baptism is is in, incredibly important, right? Because Christ Christ referenced its importance. I mean, when we think about the commission in, in Matthew 28, Christ is sending out his 11 disciples, and he says to go and to teach and, and to baptize. Yeah. So there's an importance there. But looking at it from a worldly perspective, so... Um, I'm gonna play the devil devil's advocate here. So I'm I'm an unsafe person. Never been to church before in my life. I I don't know what's going on, and so I walk into the church service on a Sunday morning when we're having baptisms, and we see this this ritual taking place of somebody being dunked in water. There's a tank at the front <laughs> yeah. of the stage. There's a pool. Why yeah. is there a pool yeah. in the church? Yeah. Yeah. And and dunked and then brought up and you're just saying we, we clap and we celebrate. But why is it significant for us? Why is it significant for us for baptism? Um, and how do we I know this is not on the questions here, but how do we how do we help unbelievers see the importance of baptism? What does it what does it resemble? What does it signify? Why is it so important? I guess is 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 that question. Well I'll get I think we'll get to the second part of your question a little bit later. Yeah. As far as to the unbeliever, um, what role does it play in their experience of sure. that event? Sure. So I think I'll get to that a little bit later. Um uh, but one of the things that um, I guess in going back to your, your previous, what's the significance of baptism? Um, I want to talk a little bit about, before I get to that, saying a few things of what baptism is not okay, um, or what it doesn't do. Okay. You know, we want to, we want to understand what does baptism accomplish and what doesn't it accomplish? Cause there are some misunderstandings regarding that. Um, and so I want to start with what, what kind of baptism is not um, to start. We need to understand uh, that the Bible clearly teaches that our salvation and our eternal life are completely accomplished by the work of Christ and by his merits. Mm. He's the one that earned them. We have no right to say that our salvation had anything to do with us 
or our will or our desire or our merit or goodness, um, anything along those lines. We in no way have the ability to save ourselves or even to contribute to salvation. Um, That's fairly clear in the pages of Scripture, that it is all of God, all of what Christ has done. And so we need to start with that. Like in a few verses that come to my mind, um, Ephesians 2, 5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, were made God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Mm. And then a few verses later it continues, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then Romans three twenty three and 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And that word redemption is critical. It means that Christ has paid the price for our spiritual freedom. Yeah. We were dead and he has made us alive by his accomplishment. So the first thing that we need to understand is baptism in no way is salvific for us. Hmm. It does not save us. There are other professions of faith, such as the the Catholic Church, that say baptism is an integral part of your salvation, Hmm. is meritorious. Uh, In other words, it's that act plus faith plus other things um, that that grant salvation to you. We are saying salvation is, or baptism, is separate from our salvation. Um, We are saved by grace alone through faith. the other thing, the other question that comes up oftentimes is, well, does does uh, does baptism um, earn me favor in the sight of God? Does it um, does it somehow keep me saved, or you know, was I somehow sure. maybe not sure if I was going to be saved, and then I got baptized, now I'm assured. Yeah, we need to understand it also because of the same principle. Um, we need to understand this truth. Um, that God's pleasure upon us takes, um, he takes us in as his children because of his grace and because completely, again, the work of Christ on our behalf. Yeah. Um, we can say, because of what scripture teaches us, that in Christ, we can neither gain more of or get less of God's love. His love is lavished upon us, mm. freely bestowed upon us because of Christ. Yeah. Not because it, I get more love because I've obeyed him this moment and I've disobeyed him, so now I have less of God's love. His love is is resting upon me because of Christ's righteousness yeah. that is counted to me. And so baptism as an act of obedience doesn't earn me more of God's favor yeah. because I already have all of God's favor in my life. Yeah. And that isn't because I earn it, I deserved it. It's because of what Christ has done yeah. uh, for us. So I just kind of, I lay those two things out to get to the the real point. Okay, then what is the importance sure. um, of baptism? So we have to go back to the, to the nature um, and significance of baptism. Augustine uh, said it the best, I think, when he defined the sacraments, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper. And he said it this way. He said that the sacraments are, quote, an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Mm. Now, we've probably many of us have heard that term over the years, and maybe not many of us know that Augustine was 
the first guy to write it down yeah. um, centuries ago. But I'll read that again. So again, August Augustine said that baptism is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Um, we must not equate signs, which is what Augustine called uh, baptism. We must not equate signs with the greater reality that they point to. I'll give an example. Like, for instance, if we're driving over, you know, driving east on I-90 towards Seattle, and we see a sign that says Seattle 100 miles, none of us would say, oh, there's a sign for Seattle. I must have arrived. Sure. We understand that that is pointing to a larger and greater reality that is to come or that's outside of itself. Um, so we can't get lost in this idea that um, that baptism is salvation, but it's pointing to something beyond that's greater than itself. Likewise, is a physical sign that points us to a greater spirituality. So, so what baptism is really pointing to, according to Scripture, is our union with Christ and his burial and his resurrection. That's what the act, the physical act of baptism is doing. Romans 6, 3, and 4 is a, is a critical passage, kind of explaining why we believe that. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into, his, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And Colossians 2.12 similarly says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. So that's the nature and importance of baptism, is that it points to a greater reality. Yeah. It's an illustration, as it were, of a greater reality, which is what Christ has done. His death, burial, and resurrection we're identifying with that. We are dead to the old man and raised to newness of life yeah. in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the the idea of what baptism is not. Because I think it's it's very easy for us. Um, because we, we I think naturally we, we're legalistic in, in a lot of ways. And that can be a legalistic approach is, well, I'm, I'm being baptized because it's guaranteeing my salvation or it's guaranteeing that the father loves me. Right. And, uh, uh that's not what it is at all. No. <laughs> you know, it's, it's this, this identity of, uh, I, I identify with Christ because he died, he was buried and he rose. And, uh, that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it should, ex it should excite us too. You know, as you were saying earlier, it should excite us when we see it on Sunday. This person is is proclaiming to us that they are dying to self and being raised with Christ. And this is where their identity lies now. They're a physical illustration of the most wonderful yeah. truth we could ever know. Yeah. That is the gospel of yeah. Christ. They're, they're acting it out, yeah. as it were, yeah. in front of our eyes yeah. so we can all see it. Yeah, so cool. So cool. Uh, so throughout history, uh, there's been this ongoing debate about baptism, about who can or cannot be baptized. And again, I just want to reiterate the fact that today's podcast is not a debate. Uh, it's not to prove who's right and who's wrong. It's simply just to discuss the details of what we believe. But could you 
give us a short synopsis of what infant baptism is or pedo baptism. Yeah. yeah, so I again I, I appreciate the the heartbeat of the question. We we want to understand what what it is that they believe. We're not going to take the time necessarily today to counter it and get into all the sure. arguments back and forth. But but just to give you an, a, a very general uh, overview of what the infant baptism or pedo-baptistic uh, side believes, um, here are some ideas. So in the Protestant church, uh, infant baptism is, is a practice that's most commonly affiliated with the Presbyterian church or the Reformed church. Um, and the word... Um, uh, pedo-baptism, I mean, obviously we know what baptism is referring to as the, the dunking of the individual, but pedo, the word means simply child uh, or infant in this case. And where that originally comes from is, is basically uh, this idea that um, it's on the covenant that God established with his people. Back with Abraham, he established a covenant that he would he would have this nation a holy nation called to himself. And so um, this view of Scripture, Pado-Baptists believe that baptism is rightly administered to all infant children of believing parents. That's a critical point, um, that, that at least they're saying it's associated with faith in Christ. Um, and I would say at the outset, uh, Pado-Baptists in good faith are not saying that this is salvific for their child. In other words, it's not guaranteeing that their child will be in heaven just because they were baptized as an infant. Sure. Um, but they they need to come to faith and and trust Christ. Um, but there are some there are some differences that they how they view Scripture. And here's a couple of those things. There are three main uh, reasons that they they take from Scripture why it's necessary to baptize. Infants. Uh, the first is that infants were circumcised in the Old Covenant. Um, in the Old Covenant, on the eighth day of every Isra- uh, Jewish boy, he was circumcised. Um, and it was an outward sign of that child's entrance into the covenant community. So that's the first thing. They were circumcised. It's a sign of their entrance into the covenant community. And in the New Testament, then, as they see the idea of baptism, um, that they say baptism is a parallel to circumcision hmm. and a replacement of circumcision. So in the New Testament, um, baptism also, as we've talked about, is an outward sign of entrance into God's covenant community or the church. Therefore, baptism in the New Testament is the counterpart and replacement of circumcision from the Old Testament. Therefore, it should rightly be administered to infant children of believing parents. The key passage that they uh, will commonly look to is Colossians 2, 11 and 12, which says, In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So you can see, obviously, there's a connection there. Um as Paul writes to the Colossian church, between between um, circumcision and baptism, they take that to mean that baptism has replaced circumcision, and therefore, since infants were circumcised, therefore infants 
should rightly be baptized sure. as well in the new covenant. Sure. Um, the third uh, major thing that the that the Peter Baptist will look at is the examples of household baptisms that are seen in the New Testament. There are some primary ones: Lydia's family in Acts 16. There's a Philippian jailer and his family, and then Stephanus and his household. Um, it, it talks about that they heard the the word and they were baptized along with their household. And there's an assumption there that that included children, infants perhaps, and so forth, that were all baptized. And so the argument is that, well, the infants couldn't have necessarily understood the message of the gospel, that the adults or you know, those of age were hearing and understanding, um, and yet it says all of the household was, was baptized. So there are a few... Uh, passages like that that they would r- jump to. So, but primarily it has to do with with the covenant God has sure. made with His people, and that circumcision and baptism reflect that sure. covenant belonging, and that applies to children. So that's a synopsis of the argument. I know there's probably going to be individuals that know more than me uh, regarding that who are listening to this and might have some other nuances. But I think that gives yeah. a general yeah. idea. Well, thank you. Thanks for giving a little synopsis on that. But we, so we tend on the other side of of believers' baptism by immersion, uh, or you know, credo baptism. Why do we believe this? Why do we believe in believers' baptism by immersion? And where do we see this throughout Scripture? Well, in short, uh, the baptism of conscientious professing believers by immersion is clear in the teaching and practice of the New Testament. I mean, that's really the first and foremost thing that we get to is when we read the Bible, that is what you see. You see believers of conscience age, understanding the gospel, believing the gospel by faith and being baptized in following. Um, So that's the, that's the clear uh, observation of, of scripture alone. Um, I want to read, just so we're clear, SVC's statement of faith as as to baptism. Uh, Our statement of faith, and I read uh, as I quote, We teach that two ordinances have been committed to the local church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Christian baptism by immersion is the solemn and beautiful testimony of a believer showing forth his faith in the crucified, buried, and risen Savior, and his union with him in death to sin and resurrection to new life. It is also a sign of fellowship and identification with the visible body of Christ. So that's that's a synopsis of what it is that we believe. Um, but it's important to talk about the mode of baptism. The word baptize itself literally means to plunge or dip or immerse something, anything. Yeah. You could baptize an apple, you could, ba- you know... <laughs> But we're talking about believers in Christ here. So baptism means submersion under water. Um, And every example uh, in the New Testament of baptism carries the idea of immersion under and out of water, Um, not merely the sprinkling or or pouring, which is uh, practice in in some denominations and some churches. Um, But John the Baptist, um, for instance, and the apostles, all of the baptism we see taking place is someone being dunked and coming up 
out of water. You can read and just see the language of, of the New Testament. It says when they came up out of the water, you see that, or they went down into the water. Yeah. Um, and I could give, you know, quite a few examples of that. But but just know as you read those passages, that's what's being spoken of is dunking. Huh. Um, and so we want to be faithful to the pattern um, of Scripture as well as the teaching of Scripture on that. Because at the same at the same time, it carries... Uh, we believe that it carries the clearest picture of the message that it proclaims. So in baptism, the new Christian is identifying themselves with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection to new life. Romans 6, 3, and 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized in his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Mm-hmm. And Colossians 2.12, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So that's the the point is, is that dunking actually physically shows forth what took place when Christ died for our sins. He was in the grave and he came out of the grave. Yeah. He raised again in power over sin and death. And in him, we have power over sin and death and have eternal life. Um, so that's critical. We, it just all, So to break it down, all the examples in the New Testament are of people being dunked. And not just people being dunked, but raised back up. And so there has to be that immersion factor. But then we get to the other critical. So then who are the people that can be baptized? We talked a little bit about how, you know, should infants be baptized or, you know, we, we saw sure. that view. Um, but we want to we want to have a, a right understanding of who can be baptized. And so, again, we go back to Scripture and we look at the clear pattern and teaching that's found there. Um, and in so doing, we, we come to this belief that, um, those who are baptized are those who can give a believable profession of faith that should be baptized. So they have to have an understanding of the salvation that is theirs yeah. in Christ. Now, some may have a more elementary understanding of that. Uh, others may have a more advanced understanding of that. But do they understand what it is that Christ died for them, that they were in need of a Savior and why they were in need of a Savior? that their sins had separated them from God, and that, but that God had provided a way of escape, and that is through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the God-man who came to live among us and die on the cross for our sins. And he was raised three days later so that in trusting in his work on our behalf, we can have the, the righteousness of Christ merited to us. Um, and so that's uh, our understanding of what, what the Bible clearly teaches about who can be baptized, those who can articulate that clearly enough to say, yes, that is the gospel. Sure, That's what we hear. So those who have consciously trusted Christ as Lord and Savior should be baptized by immersion. Um, here's a couple examples that we see. Acts 2.41 says, this was at the day of Pentecost, Peter's preaching, and it says, those who received his word, and the word received is referring to believe, who believed the word, um, were baptized. Those who had trusted the gospel were as it was preached. Acts eight twelve. But when they believed, Philip is preaching, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Belief and baptism. Yeah. 
yeah. in that order. Yeah. And another example uh, in Acts 10, I won't um, read it word for word. It's a little bit of a longer passage. But Peter is uh, preaching, and he says, as he was preaching, those who heard it, again, the, the idea of heard is belief. Those who believed it were filled with the Holy Spirit and started doing signs and wonders and speaking in different languages and, yeah. and so forth. And Peter recognizing that they had believed and that the Holy Spirit had given them new life said, what should delay us from baptizing these people? Yeah. And so they were baptized. Yeah. And um, again, it was it was an understanding of the of God's truth in the gospel that they believed and then as in response and in obedience to the command of Christ, they were baptized. Yeah. Um, so in a nutshell, it's the, it's the clear teaching in the New Testament and the clear example in the New Testament that uh, believers ought to be baptized. Yeah. yeah. It's so fun watching people when, when they come to this realization of, I think I should be baptized. And just the, the joy that that happens there. I was thinking of, of um, Matt Van Vleck, who recently just got baptized. Yeah. And just the joy of, of seeing him not only, you know, being brought to faith, but like, I need to do this out of obedience. This is, I just need to do this. And, and partaking in that with him and and so many other people that have done this right of yeah it's, it's just it's so great to do this as a family and so as at this church we we understand that the church needs to be there like we can't just go out and and get baptized wherever we want whenever we want by whoever we want um it's important that the church is there. And why is that? Why is it important that the church is, is there? Well, because part of what's happening is the, that the gospel is, yes, for the individual, but the, the gospel is also saving us into a community yeah. that Christ has established called the church. And so when one is being baptized, it's not as though they're just saying, hey, this is me and God, me and Christ. You know, it's just a one-on-one deal here. No, it's it's a recognition that I've been saved out of the world into the body of Christ. Yeah. And so I'm identifying with Christ and his church yeah. as part of this act of obedience. And so the church needs to be there in as much as they can uh, because this person is saying, I now, I belong to you. Yeah. And the church that's observing this is saying, yes, we affirm that you belong to us. Yeah. So there's a mutual belonging that happens there. And so it's critical that that baptism happens within the context yeah. of the local church. And I've been guilty. I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. <laughs> I've been guilty of dunking a kid in a river at some yeah. camp somewhere. Sure. Um, and I'm not saying they weren't believed and you know sure. weren't believers in that, but uh, I, I kind of wish I could go back and... Sure not do that because <laughs> uh, I think it just short it just shorted them the blessing yeah. of of being received by the yeah. by the church yeah. and uh, identifying with that so yeah. so as we conclude this podcast Rick what would be your encouragement uh, maybe maybe give three encouragements of someone who ha- maybe hasn't been baptized. They're professing believers. Maybe they've been a believer for 
decades and they still haven't been baptized. What, what would be some of your encouragements to, to get baptized? Well, I would, uh, as I was thinking about this question, um, I want to give three considerations for people. Um, the first consideration might be more of a challenge <laughs> to some, um, and that is this, to consider that baptism is indeed a command to obey. Hmm. It's a command. It isn't a suggestion. It isn't a hope. It isn't an, a good option for a Christian to do. It's a command, um, just like we're commanded to love one another. Um, we're commanded to give faithfully. Um, we are commanded to be baptized. And and the two places that we see that most prominently are in Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus himself, speaking to his disciples, says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And in Acts 2.38, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and, and so forth. So we are commanded to be baptized. As one who identifies with Christ, this is part of your identification, to follow in, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, who said we, we must be baptized. So if you're out there and, and you're a new believer, and maybe you just haven't heard this before, awesome. Yeah. Call the church office today yeah. and say, hey, I need to be baptized. Yeah. I need to I need to identify myself with Christ publicly and and identify with this church. Help me do that. How do I do that? And the pastors will, will meet with you. We'll we'll talk with you more deeply and we'll hear your testimony and and those kind of things and and we'll help you prepare for that so it's not just this kind of blind leap into the water, but we want you to understand so we'll meet with you about that. But like you said in your introduction to the question, there may be somebody out there who's been a Christian for years and has thought, well, I'm just, it's too embarrassing for me. I don't want to get up in front of people and get wet and, you know, have my shirt stick to me yeah. and oh, whatever, you know, yeah. look silly. Right, right. Um, I challenge you to consider if you're that person, A, you want to be a pleasing follower of Christ who's obedient to his commands, and this is, a, this is a call to obedience. It isn't, like I said, an option for you. You must be baptized if you claim Christ. But also just on the encouragement side of that, know that you're not alone in this. Yeah, you're the person getting dunked, but we are with you as the body of Christ. And like I said, we are celebrating with you what God has done in your life and what he's done to encourage our faith through your act. And so, yeah, it, it might be a little weird to the mind's eye. I'm getting dunked in front of a group of people. Um, but it isn't awkward to us. Yeah. It's not awkward to the church. It shouldn't be yeah. um, because it's it's all based on glorifying God and celebrating what he's done. So that's the first thing. Consider the fact that baptism is a command to obey. The second encouragement um, is to consider um, the encouragement that baptism is to your own faith and to the faith of the church. In other words, your testimony to fellow believers. In baptism, you are testifying to the saving work of Christ in your life, and you're reminding fellow believers to rejoice in their salvation yet again. I, I have to say, every time someone gets baptized in our church, I have to think about, man, Christ, this is what you've done in my life. Yeah. What an amazing yeah. 
reminder to me to celebrate again the gospel of Jesus yeah. in my own life. Yeah. So yes, it's a blessing to them. It's a blessing to me when I see them get baptized because it's reminding me of the gospel. Um, and, and we would even say in our church, um, and many other Protestant churches would, would say this, that baptism is, is really what we would call a means of grace. Okay, what does that mean? Well, um, simplistically, um, it's a means of grace insofar as the act of being baptized, God is confirming and strengthening the faith of the new believer as well as the whole body of Christ in general. So it isn't earning anything from God, as we talked about earlier, but in the act of obeying, God is actually blessing us yeah. with a confirmation of our faith, with with renewed understanding of the gospel and renewed joy in him and renewed vigor to go into the world and make disciples as, as Jesus also commanded in Matthew yeah. 28. So there is an, there is an aspect of, of spiritual blessing that comes through that act. And we would say the same thing with communion. There's special grace, there's special mercy and that's being bestowed upon his people, not salvifically, but just in, in our, the bolstering of our faith and the strengthening of our faith. Yeah. And then the, the last thing um, is to the unbeliever. The person's being baptized needs to think about or consider the gospel opportunity as you identify with Christ and what he has done for you. It is proclaiming to the unbelieving world what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an evangelistic aspect to this. So you that are considering baptism, um, Yes, baptism is a physical sign, but it's pointing to the good news of what Christ has done to offer salvation to sinners. In being baptized, the unbeliever is confronted with the visual illustration of the gospel and a call for them to likewise repent and believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think that in our church, you know, I don't know, there's 150 people in each service or so, right? And on the days that there's baptisms, there's usually that usually swells a bit yeah. because family and friends come, are invited, and so forth. There's got to be some unbelievers out there. Yeah. I mean, there has to be people who are either have never even thought about Christ, or maybe they've thought about Christ, or they're pretending and they, yeah, I, I believe in God, and but maybe they've never trusted Christ as Savior. They are receiving a gospel presentation. Yep. As, as you are getting baptized. Yeah. They're, they're seeing it before their eyes. And who knows what God will do, you know, in bringing them to faith um, because they're hearing and seeing the gospel presented. So do it because it's, it's the right thing to do in obedience to, to the Lord's command, and it's joyfully so. Um, do it because it encourages your own faith and it builds up the faith of the church. And do it because it's presenting the gospel to an unbelieving world. Mm-hmm. So those would be three things that came to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are great reasons to be baptized. (laughs) Those are great reasons to be baptized. Friends, if you, if you have not been baptized, we encourage you to do so. As we just heard from Rick, uh, you can get in contact with the church office, uh, set up an appointment with pastor John and, and you have opportunities to be baptized. 
Um, so we would encourage you to do that. We hope that this has been an encouragement to you. Uh, if this is something that you're working through personally, if this is something that you've never really thought of, uh, um, hopefully it's been an encouragement to you that that baptism is a, an integral part of the church. And next week we're going to talk about the second sacrament, which would be the Lord's Supper and why that is important and why we partake in that every month. Um, so we hope that you come back next week to to hear that podcast with Pastor John. And uh, we look forward to this Sunday as we celebrate together what Christ has done for us. And next week on The Voice of Valley, have a great week, Valley Church.